0: In today's times when even though we may be working from home, we find ourselves busier than ever. When can we fit in time for the gym? Is it open? What are the protocols? It's just so confusing. The easiest solution is to work out from home, but the cost of equipment can be so high. And how do you stay motivated? How would you like to have live, at home, real-time interactive coaching from international award-winning coaches? you can have all of that in one app, the Knock Academy. The app is customizable for your schedule. Grab a workout in the morning before you start your day. How about a Pilates session at lunch? Strength training when you're finished your workday, or start your weekends with core training or a rejuvenating yoga session after a busy week. The Knock Academy is live. Your instructors can offer real-time feedback, motivation, and instruction all from the privacy of your own home. Check out the Knock Academy. That's N-O-C-K Academy. Listeners of Start Talking get 20% off your first month. Just use the discount code WEAS when you sign up. The Knock Academy. It started on a better you today.
1: Pick up the conversation uh, from wherever it naturally begins. Um, appreciate you joining me today, Bud. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity. I've been a been a follower for a while, so uh, happy to be a part of it. So outstanding, and what a what a great opening that is. Uh, Kerry Kish, coach and consultant. Uh, he and I have been getting to know each other over the past year or so, and uh, goddamn, he's handsome. Too bad this is a podcast, <laughs> but he does have a spectacular voice as well. So we're gonna uh we're gonna walk through a day in the life of Carrie and uh how he became a coach and a successful entrepreneur so Carrie thanks again for joining us today brother how are things out in the west coast of Canada for you
2: yeah going well yeah really well I mean we adjust and pivot just like everyone but uh, I think that's uh it's, it kind of fits with the the whole theme of what we're doing today and where I'm at so just just another way to walk the walk and practice what you
1: preach I guess yeah yeah, man. Well, still to to this day, one of my favorite memes, which this came out, you know, last year when we were in the real peak of shit. But uh one of my favorite memes is, you know, our grandparents were asked to go to war. We're being asked to go to the sofa. So kind of puts it yeah. in perspective to anybody Absolutely. to yeah, 100%. yeah. So You've got a pretty, uh, a pretty peppered past. Um, you've always been in business and sales and coaching, uh, organized sports at various levels. Um, you're, you're quite the athlete yourself, and you've competed throughout your life. And I guess what I really want to start off by understanding is there's a big difference between somebody that's just living a good life to the best of their ability and making good choices and then somebody that can actually apply all of those experiences to becoming a coach and a mentor and a consultant, which is what you did. And from what I understand, Carrie, there was a very specific turning point in your life where all that shit sort of came together, and and you were you were born. You the the Carrie Kish that that I'm joined with today. You were born. Can you take me back to that and sort of help us understand what that catharsis was? Yeah. Absolutely, Carl. And, and yeah, and I think I think it's
2: important to kind of, you know, and point out too that like there's so many times like I lived 45 years of my life like with, with being aware and, and living a good life, right? And knowing and being, you know, content and happy and comfortable and and knowing in, in those comparisons that that people make about, well, you know, I've got friends that are doing better than me and I've got friends that are doing worse than me. So, you know, be happy with what you've got, be grateful and away you go. And, and you know, and all the Quotes and things like that about being present. And I thought, you know, and you always think, Yeah, I understand that, and I know what that is. And and you just kind of it, it was almost groundhog day-ish, but you're still happy with with where you're at. And the real kind of and and that's the thing with with so many people in life, right? It's it's whether they have that moment, that aha moment, whether it's and and it, and unfortunately, it tends to be a rock bottom, you know, and then and so many people once they think when they think they're rock bottom, they go further down than that, right? So it's that setback. And that's where for me, you know, with, with all of the factors drilled in was a divorce going through divorce. I was married for almost 15 years and um, you know, and, and, and I'll, and I'll preface it by saying that I definitely own, I think in every relationship, whether it's business, whether it's with your kids, whether it's friends, romantic, whatever it is, everybody plays a role in the success or the demise of the relationship in the growth or the fate of it. Right. So I've, you know, I definitely own my stuff and I'm sure we can get into it a little later on what that, what, you know, what that was and where it is now and everything else, but the, the actual divorce itself and moving through, like, you know, you're busy as a dad, we, we're running multiple businesses, coaching kids in lacrosse and hockey, right? Welcome to Canada. So, you know, and, and, uh, and having all of that as well as, like I said, with the businesses and, you know, personally, right, you've got all kinds of stuff going on. And I remember, you know, thinking, you know, at, at times of thinking like, man, like, where's that connection? Right. You know, with, with my wife and I was like, you know, and, and I remember having conversations, like, I miss you. Like, should we be booking in date nights? Like, what's this all about? And just, you know, and the feedback was like, Hey, you know what? Everybody goes through this. That's what it is. We're busy. Our kids are busy. You just push through and that's what, that's what it is. Right. And so you're like, okay, if that's what it is, that's what it is. And you keep doing the best, you know, it's a Roosevelt quote. It's uh, uh do what you can, where you are with what you have. Right. And, and, and it's, and that's truly what, what I've always believed in doing. And, and, and so at that point, and, you know, finding out at one point, you know, coming back from, you know, from tournaments and things like this and, and everything else, but in in that moment where you find out that your marriage isn't what you thought it was, right? And and that moment is different for everyone. How they kind of, you know, how that evolves. I've, have, I've had people that are like, oh, we were just friends. We drifted apart and away we go. And then there's other people that it's a lot more of a, of a hammer hammer that hits you from the side of the head which is kind of where mine was at but you know you find out there's stuff going on that's not okay you know in marriages or whatever and it's like you know what okay so what am i going to do about it right and so immediately like you said all of these quotes and things that i've heard for years start resonating a little more and you start and and going within as being a member of the community with being a coach and and with public speaking and being out and you know and owning businesses in the community stuff like that i was the king of put on the mask yeah put on a smile, don't let anybody know what's going on in your world. Cause you know, like, cause if it works out, you don't want anybody to know what was going on, you know, the dirty laundry behind the scenes and this and this, and, and, and you want to move forward with that. So, and truly walking around with that weight and and not really being able to be present at any point in time with anything, right. Whether it was time with my kids, when I was coaching them, whether I was at work, whether I was at business meetings, whether, whatever it was, and always thinking, man is this going to work out what's going on and what's going on and all that. and weighing that and and carl there was a period i think like literally without exaggerating there was probably two to two and a half years of my life that i did not laugh mm. and if i laughed it was like uh, oh, right you know like it's it, truly it wasn't there right because you just it's it's i call it like being in i call it, i refer to it as the storm right mm. being in the storm there's days that it's worse there's days that it's better but truly like how many days where you feel like you're out in a rowboat in the middle of the ocean no oars yeah. and just hang it on it's dark you're getting pounded you just you just don't know how it's going to end yeah and that was that was that was it for me right being in there and it's like okay so what are you going to do with it right and truly in in that point and i remember you know there were multiple times but the getting to that point where in finding out that there was there were things you know that okay so we're going to work on things okay so we're going to work on things so moving through that and finding out that Obviously, spoiler alert didn't work. Didn't work out, right? You know, so, so you know. But there were there were periods during that, like you know, especially that, that specifically. I'll, I'll share with you a, a story. Like the the moment there there were moments that you you know we're all faced with that adversity, right? In that in that moment of okay, you either push forward with this or you you, you tap out, right? And you give it. So, and and the moment specifically that was the game changer for me. I remember getting into my truck one day and uh getting in my truck and I was like you know okay you know thinking of course everything else that's going on like is this is this gonna work out is that going on what are my kids gonna think of this and you know and all this and it's like you know what I I I made a decision at that point my truck I said within 10 minutes my truck's going into a wall or a bridge pillar whatever it is at 180 like I'm done I'm out right open my garage door put on my seatbelt and I went to start my truck and I'm like, Oh, well, I'm not going to need my seatbelt today. Am I right? And I took my seatbelt off, went to start my truck. And then I don't know, it wasn't, you know, I believe in God. I believe in the universe. I believe in source. I believe in all kinds of things that there's, there's a spiritual connection out there. I don't force anybody else. I don't think any less or more of anyone else that does or doesn't. But in that moment, it was either a, uh, it wasn't a voice, but something, you know, in that moment said to me, not today right? Not right now, not today. And it's like, and I thought like, why? Right. And it's, and truly for me, that why in that moment Mm. was my kids. Right. And it's like, you've taught your kids, you know, to not give up this and this. And if you, and if you do this right now, and because I've known friends you know friends of friends and family that that have dealt with with suicide and and losing someone and not you know not not just not having the chance to say goodbye but people that have you know experienced suicide everyone has that question on their minds of like what could I have done different what yeah. didn't I do what should I've asked how should I support them and it's like am I going to put that on my kids right now is that the kind of father that the legacy that I want to leave is that my kids say like you know have this guilt or or you know, blame or shame associate with them, that they should have done something different. I go, they're already, you know, and, and we always tell ourselves our own stories, but I go, they're already going to say like, oh, was it, did I have something to do with the divorce? Should I have done something different there and everything else? And it's like, so why am I thinking, even considering of packing on all of this baggage? They don't deserve it. Right. Yeah. And, and I go, they deserve, you know, and I said, so, no, and at that moment, I said, no matter how hard this gets, no matter what I go through, no matter what the stories are, no matter what gets slung around, no matter what it is. Like literally, if I'm in a cardboard box under a bridge, that's how it goes, that my kids will always be able to ask me the questions and I will answer them, you know, that they have moving forward. And mm. and in that, in that moment, that was a real game changer for me that it's like, okay, so if that's your decision, what are you gonna do about it then, right? And it's like, no matter what happens, I need to focus on the good. I need to see the opportunity in this and what's it gonna be. And, and as a sports guy, the analogy that I, that I kind of sat with was, you know, from baseball, like you're standing there, it's a stadium with 80,000 people. You just whiffed on the biggest curveball or change up that you've ever seen, like completely to the point where you wiped out in the dust, 80,000 people. it feels like they're all heckling you and yelling and laughing. You got a choice there. You, you can get up and hightail your ass back into the dugout and you never have to step on the field again, or you dust yourself off. You're like, all right, laugh. Cause watch what's happened with the next one. And you step back in and you blast it out of the park. Yeah. And that is
1: what I'm in the process of doing right now. I love it. I've got about 263 questions. <laughs> it's, it makes me think of a couple of chats I've had over the past year with, with dads who, who got pretty damn close to that, that edge. And Uh, There's two individuals in particular, uh, James Boardman, who's the man coach out of the UK, and John Foley, who is a US Air Force captain, and for different reasons, but they both were on that edge, and they both had that moment where their kids, their children, their purpose, arguably, is what prevented them from, I think John put it, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm-hmm. but what it, it sort of makes me think of, and this may sound a little bit, I don't know, fucking cliche, but it makes me think of, I've, I've, I've heard this phrase in movies before, and I want to say it's um sort of Eastern, like an Eastern philosophy, but it's something like if you, if you save a life, that life belongs to you. And whenever I've spoken to men and women that have stood on that edge and it's almost as though, so in your case, and I'll keep it specific to Carrie, it's almost as though there's like an alternate part of your personality that steps in and saves your life. It's like, well, that life now belongs to this version of Carrie. That life belongs to you because you saved the old guy that was in his truck with no seatbelt about to drive into a tree. And that's fucking powerful. When you owe a debt of life, even though it's to yourself, I, I I don't mean to imply that any of us are schizophrenic, but do you ever think back on that fateful day when you were sitting in your garage that there is sort of a, a, a duplicity in those two men, the two carries, carry version one, carry version two? Or do you force yourself to hold on to the version one to serve as some constant reminder and some constant point to always look back on for perspective. Great question. And I I I'm
2: I I think bang on 100% there is old carry and there is carry 2.0. 100%. And and I think that you know just like anything in history, right? You have to know where you were, you have to know where you are or whatever that is if you want to make progress on where you're going. And if you can't distinguish the starting point you're never going to really know how far you've come or what your progress is or where, you know, on your, on your journey. So I think there's, there's no question. And, and I even referred to it earlier today, like I was, I was comfortable, content, you know, and, and, and when I go back and I look, cause I asked how many questions of myself, like when you, when you go through, uh, you know, an experience, any, any sort of trauma, whatever. And that's where in, you know, I consider the divorce was one of those for me is that when you go through that, you need to be able to sit back and, and you, you got to own your shit moving into it. Like, why did that happen, right? And, you, I, and I ask myself questions. I mean, it's so easy. And, and you know what? There are terrible things that happen to people every single day in this world where they are completely justified to say, this happened to me, I'm a victim. And no one in this world would argue with them. Like there would be empathy for miles and, and they are justified in staying there. But it's like, how does staying there how, how does living the rest of your life in that space feel? And for me, that's not where I was staying. And so having that comparison to answer your question, like, yeah, between who I was and who I am. And and so when asking those questions, it was a lot of hard conversations with myself, a lot of, you know, you know you've gotta really be realistic of where it's at and you're so super critical of yourself and everything else, crunching it all into a single statement is I was not pursuing excellence in every area of my life. Mm. I was comfortable, I was doing okay, but I wasn't searching for more, and and I think that there's a definitely a balance between being grateful and and content with what you have, which we all need to be. I mean, gratitude is the is the foundation of of you know moving forward. But I think that it's also not or you need you you need to be okay with wanting more and wanting to grow, and that's what I was not doing.
1: Mm.
2: Right, I I wasn't pursuing excellence, and so that that was that's the difference between. Old Carrie and Carrie 2.0, yeah, right,
1: is is where I'm at now. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to meet Carrie 2.0, and I'm <laughs> I'm glad whatever the whatever sort of divinity intervened that fateful day, I'm I'm glad that it did. But a, a question number 262 is: <laughs> Would you say, in your experience, both with yourself? and also as a coach but perhaps think back to version version one of carrie would you say that it's easier to lie to yourself than it is to lie to others or is it easier to lie to others than it is to yourself
2: Mm. in like version one of that would be yeah would be, yeah. I would say it's, it's, you know, it's especially in in moving through a lot, like with with a lot of the struggles in those times, and even before that, right? And in, in knowing that, you know, well, is my is my relationship everything I want it to be? Well, it's not everything I want it to be, but it's but it's all right, and it's mm-hmm. still I hear all those other stories. So you you know you you kind of live in that picture of you know your friends and family. They're like, oh, you know, you get the perfect family the perfect relationship you guys are so you know you look so happy and you you kind of set in that and accept that right and you're like yeah and essentially i think that's lying to others where we where you know i didn't step up and say well could be better in places but you're just like oh thank you right that's great and essentially when we when we accept that i think it's also lying to ourselves that we settle for less than what we feel we deserve or what we want right and i think that's where that that cycle starts eating away inside of you knowing that you do want more or you do want something a little different or you do want to change, but you're not going to take the action to go after it. Right. No matter how small that is, no matter you know what it is or not even consider it because you're almost and I don't know if it's fear of the outcome, fear of not achieving it or fear if it you know, if you start asking questions or, or making, you know, those, you know, those requests that maybe it's not it's just going to blow up and go a direction right. you don't want it to. Right. So. So, yeah, I think it's it's never I think it's never good to lie to anybody, yourself yeah. or other people, right? But it was a lot easier when you're in that comfort zone. And I think because when when I did, when I was doing that, I think back in like little examples that are kind of running through my head, it's because there's there's not as much account, there's less accountability if you just accept
1: what it is and, and right. no little white liar here or there, right? So that that's a really important word, accountability. It's been my experience that, Assuming, assuming what I'm about to say pertains to a loving relationship based on mutual respect, there's very little tolerance with lies and deception. A, a good, loving relationship cannot be founded on lies and deception. But yet, we as individuals, we become fucking ninjas at lying and deceiving ourselves. right and and you'll you'll tell yourself a story every morning because you need to be able to show up as you said carrie you need to be able to put that mask on Mm -hmm. and that's that's your own deception and i think there's there's not enough people having conversations about how fucking heavy those masks are the burden of the masks that men and women wear and in your case clearly that weight Just became overwhelming yeah or almost perhaps
2: no absolutely not not only in in the fact in in you know that moment of where you where you consider punching your own ticket right but also i think that and there's a lot of researchers and i've dove into research of all kinds like i mean when it comes to learning like the amount of books and courses and podcasts and everything that i've taken in in the last five years of my life like you literally like people would not believe me if i if i tracked it but learning from that that i think that at, when you when you tell yourself those lies, those, those lies and it's in in kind of ostrich mentality of no this isn't happening it, it isn't happening and that's where <laughs> sometimes in people they they don't really click a hundred percent of which where i was right in the whole law of attraction thing and stuff like that well if i keep telling myself that it's going to be good it's going to be good but it's how you feel right is really what what you're bringing into your world and when you know when you have those feelings what it actually manifested in, into me was I ended up at like 45 years old with uh, shingles, mm. like a, a sickness for like, you know, for like 80 year olds. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? And it was, and it's like, what is, and that was a point for me again, where it's like, all right, man, like your body is now breaking down yeah, as a result of trying to carry the load on your own. And it's like, you need to make a decision. And that's where, I mean, and it was within days of, of, Having shingles, and thank goodness it—you know what I mean—it was—you know—I was on it soon enough, and you know—and away we went. That it wasn't any lasting effects and stuff like that, right? But, um, it—that was the point for me. It's like, okay, like you're breaking down. You got to deal with this. So, and that was where I had those the conversations. I said, look, we're either, we're either working on this or we're not. Like, it's either we're either in a hundred percent or out. Yeah. And less than uh, four months after that, less five months after that, I had the rubber stamp on the divorce papers. Like done. Mm.
1: Right. I'm I'm curious, and of course, there are dozens of different permutations, but it I sort of feel that there's two kinds of married people. And for the purposes of this conversation, Carrie, I'm just gonna say married. Could be partners, could be common law, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's two kinds of married people. There's married people that almost by accident kind of fall into it because they meet somebody and the natural evolution of it is they just end up being married and then fast forward. Holy shit. We've got kids. Wow. That escalated quick. (laughs) And then there's married people where the, the, the marriage, the children, the home, that is a measure of success that they strive for, right? That's, that's an accomplishment that they need to achieve in their lives. Was your family, your wife, your children, your beautiful home, was that in your mind? Fuck yeah, Carrie, you did it, you succeeded. Was that something that was important to you, for for old Carrie? Hundred percent. Right. So for old Carrie to view to view that to view that success as something that then went on to, and I'm doing air quotes to all the listeners around the world, that went on to fail versus, you know, shit happens. But to view that success, like that pinnacle of your life, as then something that went on to fail, regardless of your efforts, dude, that must have been like a real kick in the nuts. That must have been a blow. And is that what led you to sit in your truck that morning? Absolutely. Like that's where, that's
2: where, like so many of that because you're, you know, like, and, and I mean, it was truly with how, uh, with everything that I've really set my mind to in almost everything in my life, right. Like from shoveling sidewalks and having a paper route when you're like nine years old to winning school sales contests for chocolate almonds. And, you know what I mean? Like just always, you know, it's like, I'm winning this thing and you do it or, you know, in athletics, I'm going to play this sport and do this. And we're going to do that, you know, and always, you know what that is you set your mind to it and you go and away you go so is and 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 truly when it comes to my marriage was the one thing in my world that it's like i i'm gonna work on this and i'm gonna fix it like whatever's broke i'm gonna find out what's broken then i'm gonna fix it because that's what guys do that was what my personality was that's what it is and i didn't and when and and that was truly like the first giant l you know, that I that I felt that I wore now wore as a badge on my forehead that I was going to cart around for the rest of my life, that people were going to think, oh, stay away from that guy. You're going to catch the divorce bug like, right. you know, and, and you know, and, and truly that's what I felt it was going to be like. And and yeah, I mean, it was it was huge because you because these conversations and this is what so many men, you know, do not talk about going through and after divorce is those questions that we ask ourselves and we sit with it by ourselves instead of reaching out and getting that support is you know you tell yourself i'm not a good enough father i didn't make enough money i wasn't good enough looking i you know you thought this you know my body wasn't good enough this and that and you and you tell yourself all these stories and when you tell yourself those stories over and over again and that's the only thing in your head you start to believe it yeah and when you start to believe it that's when it gets dangerous and that's when that moment was in that truck. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. when you think you're not enough, you're a failure as a father, you're a failure as a husband, you're a failure. as this. no one, you know, when you think you got to, you're going to be saddled with this for the rest of your life. And it's, and it's going to be something that you can't live with. That's when that moment. And that, and that truly has been it. it when in that moment in moving forward from that, that's where, again, I decided that for me, for my kids, for my future, but I also, I said, whatever I do here, if I have the opportunity to support anyone that is in, that's that maybe in a moment, whether they just found out 20 minutes ago that their marriage is in trouble or or over, whether it's or a relationship or whatever it is, or they've, you know, been six, eight years out of like, you know, whatever, and they're still struggling with it. If there's some a conversation I can have, if there's a piece of content that I put out, if there's a quote that I put out, if there's a podcast that I record, if there's anything that I can do that helps someone else shut their garage door and get out of their truck. Cause maybe they don't have three kids. Maybe they don't have a spiritual connection. Maybe they don't have that. But if there's something that I put out that helps that person, then mission accomplished in my world. Yeah.
1: It's amazing. The more conversations I have with coaches and mentors and, and people very dialed into, into mindfulness, the more I realize that for the most part people like you it's not about changing and and please correct me if I'm wrong it's not about changing millions and millions and millions of people the metric of success as you just said Carrie. the metric of success is if you can just help one and I don't you can't really build a business around one. So I get the <laughs> I get the metrics, of course, the financial obligations. You you can't phone your bank and say, I well, look, I helped one guy, so can I pay like a fifth of my mortgage? I get it. I'm not trying to be naive. But I'm finding that more and more with myself as well through this little podcast journey. Is you just like to put your head on the pillow at night and kind of have that peaceful thought that, hey, maybe there's one guy, one gal however you identify, whatever gender identification you are, maybe there's one human being out there that heard or saw or read something that you did carry and you just changed their fucking lives. That's the point.
2: And uh, it's bang on, especially where, and I truly believe in, in letting go of that, you know, what, that, what success looks like and what is it? And just trusting that, you know, cause so often, you know, well, and old Carrie. I had a picture of what success looked like was, you know, the house, the kids, the family, you know, riding off into the sunset, retire, you know, live on a golf course, this, that, you know, and all of that, right? Like I had it all figured out. And, and then, you know, right when you think, you know, you got it all figured out is when, you know, the, the universe or God, or whatever comes in and says, oh yeah, well watch this. Right. But the thing that I didn't realize, I thought my world was crashing down in that moment, but, and this is where I challenge everyone right now. That's in a spot you know, say similar to anything that we've described to this point is what if that picture of success that you have is actually an injustice to what you can actually achieve
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and where you can actually go. You've painted yourself at a level with limitations and in a place that's a fraction of what you have the potential to be and the impact that you can do and the people that you can serve and and support and truly that is where i'm realizing that right now with so many little nudges along the way and conversations that i have and 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 that's where and and again my goal way like you know back when on day one was if one person 30 years from now i can help then mission accomplished and just trusting that i'm going to end up where i need to be where i need to be having the conversations with the people that i need to have conversations with i'm going to meet the people that are like the the door to my life to to be a part of my journey is wide open people can come in be a part of my journey and it's also wide open for them to hit the hit the road and and you know what i mean you're not forced to stay and that's everybody and 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 in in embracing that even with with my kids, I mean that sounds harsh to say, look, the door's open and the door the, to come and go. But realizing that when you're with me, I, I am grateful for every second and I will be present with every every single that or every moment of that. But if you want to go hang out with your friends instead of hanging out with dad one night, I get it. Right. And and letting go of that has been incredible. And and finding and then, so in going back to even what you mentioned there with the power of one and what that looks like and trusting your journey is there was, there was a conversation that I had and I'll, and I'll share this with you. It was, it was with, uh, uh, a dad in the States that had reached out to me, just, I had met him previously like, you know, and the, and the, coincidences that stack up to how we met were like, I'm not even going to get into that. Cause again, it's another thing where people are like, that's crazy. So, but, but we get into this reaches out to me and says, Hey, I was just curious, you know, if we were able to have a, you know, you know, if we have a conversation today, I got some stuff going on in my marriage and, and I know that you went through some stuff. So I'm wondering if we can have a conversation. So we have, we have a conversation that day. He stops me at a point in the conversation and says, dude, I, I need to stop you right there. Like, in, and thank you. And I'm like, okay, well what's up. Right. And he said, I didn't tell anybody this, but I had bullets in my gun three days in the past week. And he goes, but I'm getting rid of the bullets. He said, "My boys, who were four, six, and eight at that mm-hmm. time, will grow up with a father as a result of the conversation we had today and what you just shared with me in the last five minutes." And when I, when you, when there's nudges, you know, that tell you that you're on to something and you need to keep going, you listen. That's that's what it is.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Fuck, I love that. It's powerful, right? It's it's people, people. I, that's such a nebulous term, but we always think of change as this huge, magnanimous, long process that take you know years and tons of horsepower. But Carrie, the example you just shared, like that's a conversation. You know, change and who knows what his three boys are gonna go on to achieve in this world. Fuck could be the next president of the United States for all we know. Absolutely. What do you think? you used an important word and this is, this has been a subject for much debate on our show over the past couple of years, the word success. What do you think is, you know, one, one or two of the biggest obstacles in people achieving authentic success, not, not sociologically perceived success, like, Oh, you've got a nice truck and a nice house and a gorgeous trophy Partner and blah, blah, blah. But authentic success. What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles for people? I, th- I think the
2: first the first obstacle is that people don't sit back and define what success means to them. Right? How do, how do you know where you're going? How do you know if you've achieved it if you didn't, if you don't know what that means to you? Right. And I think a lot of times asking what that is. And sitting down with that and being, and what's important, right? Really what, what is important to me and what is my definition of success? And then, and again, like I said, I had that all mapped out. I knew what that was. And then realizing that I was selling myself short. Right. And so, and that's where, and I'd heard the messages a million times. Like, you know, there's that, the Jim Carrey, there's an audio clip of Jim Carrey when he's sitting up in Mulholland drive and, and he, you know, and, and how he looked out over and he wrote himself a check and ended up getting it and all that. And he goes, but I wish everyone could get a million dollars because people think that the million dollars makes you happy. It's not the million dollars that makes you happy. That's why there's so many, you know, tragic stories about movie stars and, you know, rock stars and everything else and successful people being unhappy and end up taking their own lives or they're not happy. And there's, there's things that happen as a result of that. So so I think that the, the takeaway from that is defining what success means to you and what that truly is. And, and when we know that it's what, what raises our vibe, what makes us happy, what makes time stand still. And and when you're doing it, that it absolutely just disappears. And if you didn't have bills to pay on Friday, if you didn't have this, you didn't have that. And I know it's cliche again, like we said a few times, but what would you do? What truly flips your switch and what, who would you spend that time with? What would you be doing? And, and, and if, and to me, that's what success is, right? And, and that's the holdback to it is so many people are scared to actually sit down and and have that conversation with themselves, whether it's put pen to paper or whatever that is and say, this is what success means to me. Because when they write that down, we go back to the, the other word that we use today was accountability. The minute you write it down, if you're not taking steps to move towards that. Now, all of a sudden we go back to your line yourself again. Well, that's my that's my that's what I define success as, but I can't get it because I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too this. I don't have enough this. I don't do this. And And it can be overwhelming. And that's why people don't that's why people don't set big goals, right, is because it's it's. They have to work because it's a lot of work to get there. And it's saying, well, it, with exercise, well, instead of saying, I'm going to go to the gym five days this week, I'm going to just say that I'm going to go for a walk around the block. Now, let me tell you, it starts with one step. There's no question about it, that, that it starts with those small little victories that we stack up and up and up. But I think that and it's Les Brown that says the, the problem isn't that we set goals that are that are, you know, that, that are too big. We set goals that are too low and we hit them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Then,
2: and i think that so why don't people achieve success i think maybe they're not setting their goals big enough and they're hitting them and then they're they're saying well that's where i was supposed to be and they've convinced themselves the stories we tell ourselves the limiting beliefs all of those things we have so we're content with it when we sit there or we just don't set that goal in general and so we don't step up to the plate
1: yeah yeah i've i've um i've redefined success quite a bit over the past 5 years And one of the things that I have found being intrinsically connected to what I have defined as success, and um, I'm gonna go back to a word you used a second ago, uh, a phrase, sorry, you raise your vibe. Mm -hmm. I had a guest on a couple of months back and she introduced me to a quote, and I don't know if it was hers, I I don't really give a shit, it was brilliant. (laughs) She said, if you raise your vibe, you have to shrink your tribe. Absolutely. And and I've I've lived many sleepless nights. I've lived with that and for me my tribe and this is we've talked about this a lot over the years on this show surround yourself. My tribe, who I surround myself with is deeply connected to my success whether it's my perception or my achievement. So I think choosing the people that are around you, designing designing your own infrastructure to be based on the success that you've written in that book, making sure that there's other fuckers around you that are going to help hold you accountable. So is part of your coaching journey, and this is where I'm always fascinated with coaches because, yes, we're talking about the individual and we're talking about Carrie and we're talking about your individual clients. But there's also a very real conversation that I don't hear a lot of coaches uh, communicate you also got a whole group of people that surround you and you may have to, you may have to make some brutal choices. Mm-hmm. Is that a part of your business? And if you don't want to speak to your clients, I respect it, but is that a part of Carrie version 2.0? And we got to stop saying that because it's just Carrie now, but is that a part of Carrie's journey as you've raised your vibe? Did you shrink your tribe? Absolutely. And, and even,
2: you know, and, and it's not, and it's not, I'm not saying that as, as we kind of do, cause we, you go back to it, raising your vibration or, or, you know, you talk about, we, we, we address kind of law of attraction. And I think the same way we attract people into our lives, the same thing, you know, by what we put out, I think what we, you know, be the energy you want to attract what you put out in the world, you get back. And I, and I believe that wholeheartedly, I think the exact same measure of that though, when we, you attract, but you also repel just like a magnet has two ends. If people, if, if what you're putting out there, it just isn't resonating, with people. And it's not, you know, and, and that's where we go back to that term, especially there there's been people that used to be a big part of my life that aren't, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean they're bad people. Doesn't mean whatever just means they're not a part of my world is misery loves company. Right. How many people, you know, when, when you're in so many people, again, when they go through something tragic or they, you know, or they don't like their jobs or they don't like this, they find other people to complain about their jobs about, and they all go out or they, you know, when they're not, you know, and, and if people aren't happy in their marriages, they go out and they talk to other people that aren't happy in their marriage and they, and they just in it, you know, and, and it's like the old lobster mentality or the, the crabs in the bucket where one tries to get out, the other one grabs them back. That's why they never have to put lids on the things because if, as long as there's more than one in the bucket, they keep dragging the other ones down. So, it's about saying, I'm not staying here. And so you intentionally right? with and you mentioned your your tribe, but it's your circle and the there. Everybody's heard you become like the five people you spend your most time with. Yeah, I I think it's not necessarily who you physically stand in front of, I think you are you become like the people you spend the most time with that also includes podcasts that also includes books you read that also includes, you know, the, the content whatever you let in, right is is what happens to your vibe and how your thinking is, is influenced and impacted. And that's truly what I've done with raising that is, and, and that's, and the, the content creators that I listen to speakers and what I did, I mean, I've taken, I'm a research junkie. I've taken like courses or, or in research from, biblical and stoic times right through from like the 20s and 30s where you know it's wallace waddles and you know and Thinking and grow, napoleon hill and and all of these right through from the 40s 50s you know with you know and i could name every speaker and everything and i said what's the common denominator with all of these people that are successful they all faced adversity they all didn't give up and uh, what did they do and i said there's no way that all these people got together so people from like the Bible and people from you know Aristotle and Socrates and got together with Tony Robbins and then with guys like Ed Milette and people like this, like, you know, and, and Lewis House guys like the today's new day and age. There's no way all these people got together and said, let's see if we can con a bunch of people into sitting in quiet for 15 minutes a day. Or let's see if we can get people to, you know, think about this and this. So it's like, and so at that point, I was like, what do I have to lose? Really? Yeah. So if I'm going to try it. And so I said, and so before, and it's again, everything that I promote, everything that I teach, everything that I, that I advocate for, I have walked the walk. It's like, there's no way I can tell people to go do this unless I've tried it and I've seen results from it. And that is where everything that I do, the methodology, the tools, the the practices, everything that I use, I'm, I'm living it. Mm. And, and the crazy part is if Carrie today talked to, to Carrie like six years ago, we wouldn't even be in the same neighborhood. We wouldn't hang out for longer than five minutes you're yeah. like okay dude you go do your thing right like whatever and it comes back to even like you know the goals that i had set 6 years ago and my view of success success 6 years ago and what my goals are now and what my view is like you know like different things like in, and i said about setting big goals my 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 mission statement for my world right now is what i have set out is global impact through exploiting my gifts in the service of others outstanding that that is where i'm going
1: um the last the last three words well it's a great the great mandate entirely but the last three words really resonate with me is the service the service for others mm. and that for me we talked a little bit about success Uh, that has become my new definition for success is and there's a difference between service and servitude and and some people some people are going to have some trouble making those distinctions but My success ratio is, can I live a life of service to others? Whether it's my children, my family, my fucking neighbor, or the old man crossing the street. Can you live (laughs) a life in service to others? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're placating your own needs. Mm -mm. It's okay to be in service of others and still be the best version of yourself or at the very least on that path. Do you find, Carrie, that And a lot of the questions I'm asking you, I'm asking you for completely narcissistic reasons because (laughs) one of the privileges of being a podcast host is I basically get like two and a half years of free therapy (laughs) because this is all shit I'm trying to unpack in my own journey to becoming the best version of myself. But do you find that in order to become the best version of yourself, or at least each and every day to continue to walk that path, and by the way the best version of yourself that's just language that we use whatever you want to call it do you mm-hmm. find that you have you you're starting to give less and less of a shit about what other people think you're starting to care less and less about what other people think and care more and more about how you feel and how you think and your own self-worth and your own love what a great point what a great question so yeah and
2: there, there's so much to unpack with that, but I think, but to to just preface one one statement, I don't think there is anybody on this earth that walks the face of this earth right now that can stand truly and look and and proclaim in front of everyone that I am now my best self. If you're at that point, they're lying. <laughs> you probably got you, well, yeah, we you, you got some shit to deal with then. But I mean, because because it's always you want to be better, you want to grow, you want to, and so, and I think. And in order to become your best self, like it's, and so that, and that's where, again, I am far from the finish line, right? Far from it, but I've made progress. And that's what I want to support people with along the way. And that's what it is. You can, you can support and serve people. If there's something, you know, how to do something you've been through something you've, you know, an experience that you have that you can support someone else through, that's where you can serve others. And, and, and then if there's, still uncharted territory down the road that you still have to learn about. You still have to grow. You're not sure about that's who your mentors are. That's who your coaches are. That's who you learn from. And that's where I'm at. Right. And that line is slowly shifts along the way. So in, in coming back to your, your question about, you know, the giving less of a shit about what people think truly, that is where it's so liberating and it's cliche, but liberating of letting go, letting go of attachment, letting go of, of, you know, what our perception is of how things should unfold. And truly, you know, I, everything in my life, I like, you know, and completely different of how I used to look at this. Now I look now, but everything in my life happens for me. And when I live from that place, you see the beauty in it. You see the lesson, you see the opportunity to grow, you see, you know, and so my divorce happened for me because there's no way that I would be where I'm at right now. Even I'm, I'm ten times the man that I was six years ago. Ten times, at least. Love it. 10, ten times the father. So much more engaged with my kids. So much more willing. Like if I was if I was going into a grocery store, somebody let the door slam in front of me, I'd be like, "What a prick!" Like, how, you know how you know what I mean? Like, you know, I can't believe that guy just did that. And now when a door slams in my face. I stop and I say a prayer, I say, or a little prayer, I say a little, I try to send positive vibes that whatever that person is going through in their life right now, that they didn't even notice that I was three feet behind them, that they're so focused and dialed in that the weight of the world is on them. I hope that they're able to deal with that and that they find peace at least for 30 seconds at some point today. Mm, it's- and it's completely changed my perception of that. And I mean, when you talk about, you know, letting go of, you know, and, and about like, you know, is it, is it, is it bad to, love yourself and and feel good about what you're doing and is it selfish? I think that there's in order in order to serve for to live from a place of service, you cannot get sick enough to help the sickest person in the world. Hmm. You cannot get out of shape enough to help the most out of shape person in the world. You cannot get poor enough to help the poorest person in the world. So in and so that's where a lot of people say because first moving into coaching and like you had mentioned the business, the business element of it. It's like yeah, I would love to volunteer absolutely everything I do. And you know what? All of my content, everything that I do, I put out there. Like I don't, I don't hold back because everybody's situation is different. There's an adaptation, there's a there's a tweak, there's an adjustment that everybody needs to make. What's sitting in blind spots, what what's in my blind spots is different than what's in yours, what's theirs and everything. So that's where the, the elements of coaching and supporting people comes in. But that's where I was in when I first moved into it a big part of it is I can say, well, how can you charge people that are in trouble or that that are struggling with things, right? How can you morally do that? And I struggled with that for the first, you know, how long, right? Absolutely. I did. And the thing that shifted for me was a conversation I had with another, with, with my coach at that point, like, you know, with different coaches I've had. And they said, okay, so do you, you must think doctors then are tyrants because what do they do? Yeah. They help, they help people, when they're not like, you know when they're sick when they're not well they invested in themselves they, they you know they have the skills and the talents and the ability to help people when the, when they're struggling right and and that and doctors go to doctors they don't hate other doctors like that's you know what i mean it's so yeah. all that so when it comes back to that on on the end i think that in order to impact and truly you know leave a legacy that and that's where it, again with with that is 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 for me, it's like, who, who do I want? When someone says to my kids, describe your dad, who is your dad? I want that to be positive things. Like, you know what? He didn't give up. He went after it. He was always positive. He, you know, went through no matter what happened, you know, he kept getting up. Right. And that's what it is. And he led with integrity. He lived like, you know, he, and he truly, was was giving and and kind and taught us the lessons that we needed to learn to be contributing members and to serve and help others in this world because I truly think that when we focus on service again what you put out in the world you get back twofold yeah and it works the other way around if you live with the you know what can I get from this attitude from a transactional place it comes back twofold so what can I get from you means you're gonna have to give twofold at some yeah. point now and and some what people don't realize so often is that it's not an instant transaction right that's where so if you do help someone with the door, when there's a, you know, the little old lady in the Costco parking lot trying to load water into her car by saying, you know, hey, you know what? Let me give you a hand with that, even though it's COVID, whatever, right? But I go, you know, it's so let me help you out and put this in your in your car. And I look, I look for those opportunities. When I stop at a stoplight, I look over and I nod at the person and give them a smile next to me. It doesn't matter who it is, because it's about putting that out. And when you put enough of that out, it's not not instantly someone comes back and says, Oh, that's so nice that you did that. No, not at all. Because I know that it's stacking it up and at some point it 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 does come back to you and it it doesn't need to be a transactional thing maybe it comes back to me in the form that it's a that it's a, a perk or something great that happens to one of my kids maybe it's something that you know maybe it's a narrowly missing an accident that I didn't know I was almost in you don't know that that's not no. happening for you every minute but when in living from that place of life, life happens for you that's where the magic happens
1: i love that you just said life happens for you or or you know really um, anything happens for you, and that's such, an, such a critical change in dialogue that's so elusive for so many people, myself included for many years, but we naturally want to def- default to this happened to me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not this happened for me. And a quick shout out to Jennifer Merrifield, who she was a guest on in the past, and she's a, an excellent excellence coach. Uh, she's also an excellent coach. But we had a long conversation about living a life, uh, living life based on empathy, mm. which is sort of what we're you and I are talking about in a slightly different language. Is, you know, when you go through that door and somebody doesn't hold hold it for you, and that's a great metaphor for life in general. If life slams in your face, you can take the pissed off chest thumping. Where am I going to point my rage perspective? or you can live a life of empathy and say wow you know that person must be going through some real shit i really feel bad for them let's see if i can brighten their day and put a smile on their face yeah and this is this is what too few people don't i i believe and this may sound like an old cynical person but too few people guys we're fucking in this together like whether you like it or not like we're in it together for the long haul so why not whether your tribe is the five people that influence you or the five thousand people that influence you why not have the best influences surrounding you possible like wouldn't that be awesome if there weren't any toxic raging bullshit sad frustrated like wouldn't that be amazing so we can each do our part and Carrie, i won't go into the full story but we have a saying in our business be the pebble and basically what it means is if you're standing at the edge of a pond and you're one person and you throw a pebble into that middle of the pond you can see the ripples and those ripples will touch every single edge of that pond now imagine you're surrounded by a million people you're all still only throwing one pebble but the impact of those million pebbles are going to make a tidal wave so we can be better we can change and it doesn't take a lot Mm. doesn't take a lot it just takes a lot of us that's that's beautiful
2: and that's the reason why so many people don't do it is because we've convinced ourselves that it's the stories we tell ourselves that we can't do it or it won't make a difference or whatever that is right yeah man and that's truly it, it is a decision a decision to see the good in people a decision to put good out in the world, the decision, you know, it, 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 so many of the things we talked about reminds me of a book, uh,
1: four agreements, Don, Don Miguel Ruiz. Have you, have you read it? I, is I, the, the, okay, I, I have to be honest with you. Cause this is not a place for, this is not a place for <laughs> lying and, and posturing. <laughs> I dropped it after like 40 pages. It, when I picked it up, which was probably about three years ago, mm-hmm. I was not emotionally in a place to be able to absorb it for how I could interpret it in my life. I think I read it far too literally mm-hmm. and it, it turned me off.
2: Well, and even, and even for, if the book doesn't resonate with that, I mean, you can look at the inside cover, right? And there's even like, it is a thing it's like, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And if we use those as guideposts, like, you know, and there's, and you can dive in, but just think about that. Like of all the things we've even talked about today,
1: pretty, simple, all pretty simple
2: rules, right? Like, and it's, and it's so, and, and just in that impact, like you talked about as a pebble, you can be that pebble. It's a decision yeah. and just choose to be that. But what a beautiful place to live from when that's what you're putting out in the world, right? Yeah. With, you know, not taking anything personally, not making assumptions, and, and assumptions going into like, oh, that person probably hates me because of this, and this. No, that person's just having a bad day. Yeah, nothing to do with you. And when we all tell our stories, even going through, you know, marriage, right? In in my divorce, not taking anything personally, don't making assumptions. You don't know exactly what the other person was thinking. You don't know why they did what they did. You don't know all these things. And when you don't, and when you don't take it personally and think that, okay, all of that happened because it was an attack on me. They wanted to get me you know, they wanted to hurt me, they wanted to do this. But when you step away from that, and realize that some people are sorting out their own shit. And sometimes people make bad decisions. That doesn't mean they're a horrible person. But that doesn't condone the the actions. But it just means that, hey, that was stuff you had to sort out. And had nothing to do with me. What a shift
1: that is in moving forward. I I don't mind sharing this with you as a bit of a shameless little plug. But when we named this show a couple of years ago, it was quite literally myself and my buds who are now my (laughs) co-hosts standing on my back deck, having a whiskey. And, uh, we were talking, this is before the show really had the, any traction. We were talking about going to a party, like a social function and, and seeing all the people standing in the corner bitching and complaining and gossiping And we started talking about they as types of people. They as types of people are those where life happens to them, where nothing's their fault. They're victims to fucking everything. There's no accountability. They do not have those four agreements. Mm -hmm. They do not live a life of integrity. That's a they as mentality. And we said, well, what's the opposite of a they as mentality? And this is the brainchild is we said, well, it's a we as mentality. If we go into every situation as a we as coaches, we as men, we as parents, we as teachers, if it's a collective we versus they, then it's not adversarial. It's tolerant, it's compassionate, it's rooted in empathy and love. And that's how we try and live our lives. And that's how we try and propagate sort of our message. I'd love for you to share with me sort of the last chapter of our conversation for today. I'd love for you to share with me your coaching business, your consultancy business, what types of, what types of vibes do you attract? What types of people are you working with? Have you, over the past five years, have you found sort of your sweet spot? Be like, Oh no, I'm, I'm really shit at this. And, and, but man, you know, I can coach this, you know, I'm great at this. Like have you found naturally who is gravitating to you and naturally who you are attracting your, your, rules laws of attraction example
2: yeah and you know what just when you think that there's a certain whatever client like a specific whatever you want to call it avatar target market like it it's it blows my mind like it you know what i mean with it's like wow like you connected with me from that message or that thing like and and so i do have a soft spot in my heart in the single parent world because i think that it w- it was a big thing cuz i think in as a single parent whether you know whether people are married or not or whatever there there's so many so many roles that we have to juggle in going through not not just surviving that that process of whether it's you know separation and divorce or a breakup or whatever that is but cuz it's your role as a as a parent in that so as a father or there's a mother in that it's your he- own emotional healing and your own turmoil and your own storm that you're going through you're also your role as a job or your career like what does that look like and then you're trying to sort all of those different things out and balance all of those and again when I was in that storm those are the questions I had those are the conversations I wanted to have with people those are the ones that I wanted to reach out to not only to people that had walked that exact path or were in that same storm because I had so many I'm grateful for so many people in my life my parents my friends my family like so many people they said, reach out to me at any time. If you want to have a conversation, I'm here for you. I can listen. I can do whatever. And I'm very grateful for that, but they did not walk the path that I was on. They did not know what it was like to stand where I was standing. And so I wanted to search for someone that was there, that not only was there, but they chose not to stay there. They, they went through, they found the, the, the blessings in it. They found the gift, the lesson, they moved through it and they were successful on the other side of it. That's what I searched for. The other variable is that they were outside of my circle. Right. Again, I didn't want to talk to like family, like certain friends and stuff that I knew they were, they would have been more than happy to support me, but it's that I needed that arm's length. Right. Yeah, and that's where that's what I want to provide to people. So I do have a soft spot for single parents actually. And then, and I devised a whole course with not trying to plug stuff, but it's a, but Let's a fuck, single parents.
1: plug, plug away, man. Yeah, please. Yeah. Well, it's, a,
2: it's a, it's a course and it runs for a single, I have a, it's a tight group. So I only bring six uh, people into each one at a time. So, uh, six dads. So it's like single, single fathers, thriving, single fathers. And then, and then after I was running that for a while, I, like, I started to get, messages from moms, from single moms saying, Hey, like that looks like a great program. I like the content. Do you know anything like that for moms? And I go, no, I don't. That's what, that was my answer. (laughs) No, I don't. Sorry. Like, you know, and and so, and eventually one, you know, there was a lady that said, well, why don't you run it? And my logic was like, why, why is a single mom going to want to listen to me? Yeah. Right. And they're like, no, actually, why wouldn't we listen to you? right? Like, and so I'm like, okay, well, okay, well, why wouldn't So it's like, you know, when we listen to those nudges, right? Those little signs. So I'm like, okay, I'll fire it up. And and so, you know, ultimately very similar content, a few little adjustments along the way I have, uh, I, you know, and and so in running it for single moms as well, and it's super successful, right? And, and it's, and it's really helped me learn and grow. Like I learn and grow every single time that I work with clients and everything. And it's brought me a lot more you know, we, we use the word empathy and understanding towards the single mom side of things. Yeah. Right. And, and specifically for me towards my kids, mom. Right. And, and it's like, you know, an understanding of like, okay, understand kind of some of the things that you might've been thinking and going through at that time, hearing the, you know, the stories and, and the, you know, the frustrations or the, you know, the things the challenges that single moms, you know, are going through. And it, and it makes me, you know, it, it's just a lot more understanding. So, so, in the single parents' world, yeah, I have a soft spot for that in, in helping people because I know how important it was for me to, you know, lead by example for my kids. Right. And and so many of the little things that I did along the way, like, you know, I dove into, I read four books right off the bat about parenting after divorce. I said, it doesn't matter to me if the, what it says, it says you got to punch yourself in the face every day. If all four of the books say it and it helps my kids, then that's what I'm going to do. Right. And so, so in implementing those, and I see the the benefit and what that has done for my kids years after moving through that and knowing that, you know, okay, you know, like in the simple things, there's so many like not talking crap about your ex and all these little things, but knowing how much that's benefited my kids and that they will be so much better for that moving forward, because I just took that time and I said, look, that's what I decided to do. So yeah, single parents is a thing that I, but I mean, aside from that, I mean, it's over, over, overall, it's about anybody that's facing adversity or a setback, right? Whether that's in health and fitness, whether it's in careers, like they feel stuck, they, you know, relationships are in relationships, whether you're in a relationship that you want to try to work on and heal. Or, or, you know, and and make better, whether you're just getting out of a relationship and, and you're, you know, you don't know what happened. It's about owning your shit or else it's just going to be wash, rinse, repeat. So, and so there's conversations that you need to have with yourself and improve, you know, and make yourself, you know, and, and do that self-improvement, that growth on your own. Or there's clients that I work with that aren't in a relationship, they want to be in a relationship. So what do you need to do to get to that point, right? I mean, one of the big questions is it's like, you know, you make your list out of like, you know, what are your must-haves of the person that you want to be with what are your deal breakers of the person you want to be with and then you take that paper put it to the other side of the table and would if you were that person would you date yourself and that's where a lot of people like whoa right (laughs) So yeah and so and just from a client standpoint like so it's not just relationships but that's where a lot of the you know the clients that i work with come from but i mean i've worked with like 12 year old 12 year old kids right where their parents are like man you're just like you know you like just your presence how you talk what you're all about like my kid, like, and, and, you know, cause our parents don't know anything, right. Our parents can tell us stuff for years, but unless you hear it from someone else, then it's like, Oh, wow, that's brilliant. But it's, you know, so I've worked with 12 year old kids. I've worked with, uh, there was a client that was a 60, 68 year old lady that said, uh, you know, 68 year old woman that, that, that said, I don't want my seventies to be like my sixties. Wow. I feel like, I feel like I want to give up. Like, there's no real reason for me to wake up tomorrow. And in, and in shifting that and seeing the beauty and, and that reason, like, you know, why, what's that? reason to live? Where, where do I, how do I get better? And it's about when I said before, when we set those goals, what does success look like to us? It's about setting that and then taking the tiny steps, even the littlest in the world, but the tiniest steps to move towards that, that's growth. That's not staying stuck. And that's the type of client that, that I tend to attract and work with. Do you find,
1: uh, I've got a sneeze. Hang on. (laughs) Yeah. musical interlude while Carl sneezes is what (laughs) (laughs) hopefully nobody heard that I think I muted it in time do you find how can I put this I'm a big believer that and this is not absolute which Gareth my my good friend and co-host if he's listening to this he's laughing right now because he knows that I am completely an absolutist. I really trouble. I really struggle functioning in the gray. So what I'm about to say is not an absolute because there are different versions of goals. Mm-hmm. But I find if you want to achieve a drastic goal, and I think I posted something about this last week, if you want to achieve a drastic goal, it likely requires a drastic journey. And do you find in coaching that perhaps a lot of people aren't prepared for the brutality of big change and and i'm sorry to do this again the version 2.0 of whoever the fuck the person is yeah do you find that a lot of people just aren't prepared for the brutality of what it takes to strip something down and like a phoenix well i'm mixing so many bullshit metaphors right now but like a phoenix you know rise from the ashes what else what else can i put in there no I won't. <laughs> but do you find that like if you had experiences and maybe even just with yourself carrie but have you had experiences where uh, you get like three percent of the way into a journey and you go whoa this is this is way more scary and macro and magnanimous and brutal than and how do you how do you combat that? How do you, what language do you use either for carry or for your clients when that moment is, is
2: realized? Yeah. Beautiful. And that video was great, by the way, I did watch that, that video on your social media stuff. So it was good. And and that's part of my goal is, that, and, and unfortunately that's you're, you're truly, that's what it is. People need to have that, almost that, that, that moment, right. That, that. Life-changing moment, and and unfortunately, so often it is rock bottom or that you know that that tragic event, that incident, whatever it is, whether it's a diagnosis with health, whether it's a career change, or you know, especially in the past year, right? Like some people had careers that they've worked on for years and years and years that were eliminated in a week, and and so a career change or a relationship, where you know what I mean, where it's not, you know, so many different things, and that's part of my goal is to let people like, you know, and, and, see it because I, I, I walked that walk. I was there. I didn't see the signs. I was in it because when you're in it, you choose to ignore the signs when they're there. Right. Until when you're on the other side of it and you look back and like, well, yeah, I, I could have been doing this or I should have, you know, I could have shown up better here. I could have done this. And that's where I encourage people like so many times as, as a, as a sports coach with like hockey and lacrosse, I was always taken you know, courses, oh, this, this night is a, you know, this course is a defensive strategy one, this one's a, this, this, you know, all these things. And I was taking courses like crazy on that. And if you're going to buy a car or something, you research cars, you do this and this, but here's a little heads up just for people, you know, whatever, whether it's health and fitness, whether it's your relationship, whatever it is, when's the last time you sat back and invested time into being better at something. So when's the last book for all the fathers out there, when's the last time you read a book about being a better dad, how you can improve as a dad. When's the last time every, anybody in a relationship, when's the last time you read a book or watched a video or took a course about being a better partner. Right. What like all of those things. And if you're not being proactive and taking advance, you know, advanced steps in growing and learning in being better in those roles, well brace for it, because that moment is coming.
0: Mm.
2: And so that's where, again, from in my thing, that's why people, you know, that's why a lot of people that, that you know, go to the gym. That's why, you know, all of these things, right? And and and, and when I look back and, and owning my shit in what I was doing, I was not pursuing excellence in every area of my life. And I said that earlier. And so I'm, I've owned that. And that's what I'm doing now. Am I excellence in every area of my life? No, far from it. Right. And I've, I've said that earlier too, but it's about pay, making progress towards that and realizing that that's where I want to be. And I think, so when it comes back to do people need to, you know, go through this, you know, I, I'm, I would love for people not to have to be that rock bottom to decide to make those changes. But a lot of times that's what happens. And you know what, it is hard work. If it wasn't hard work, like the information is out there everywhere. Yeah everywhere. And because if it was only a matter of getting the information, the entire world would be completely ripped in billionaires right now. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, like, but, but it is hard work, but that's what it is. Think about anything in our lives, the stuff that that really means the most to us, the stuff that we really appreciate the stuff that we value the most took work. So know that that's that investment is there. Sorry, go ahead. You know,
1: and you just, you just did it again. You used in two sentences, you used one of my favorite words and i think it's a word that is so slippery to so many people the word is invest and and that's the to me there's people that would use the word invest and there's people that would use the word spend so i spend 2 hours a week at the gym i don't i and in, i invest well i don't know shit i'm scared to admit probably 15 hours a week in my gym but Regardless, there's the life happens for me, life happens to you. There's the we as people and the they as people. There's the investors and the spenders. And here's a fucking newsflash. If you have the mentality that you are spending your life, the return will be minimal to zero. If you have the mentality that you are investing your life, the return will be significant and that's just finance 101 reach. so beautiful on that note i have one last question before we sign off and and i didn't want to interrupt your flow a few minutes ago but i'm always curious and i've got a subject matter expert so i'd kick myself if i didn't ask this <laughs> in conversations with dads that have gone through divorce separation um One of the things that is most common with a lot of the dads that I've talked to, not from a coaching standpoint, simply just from, because I'm not a coach, but simply from a, a conversational standpoint, a lot of dads struggle to give themselves permission to show up as actual parents with discipline and rules and fucking bedtimes. And you don't get smarties for dinner And a lot of dads parent out of guilt, right? Like, oh, and you said it earlier at the beginning of the show, Carrie, that you, when a marriage fails, for lack of a better word, you point it inward. It's like, oh, I wasn't good looking enough. I didn't make enough money. uh, My house wasn't blah, blah, blah. All the things that you weren't. So dads parent out of guilt because they take on the burden that they're the ones that blew up that relationship ergo when the kids come over oh you want to stay up till midnight and eat cheesies and chocolate cake for dinner no problem no chores so is part of your coaching you know the six men that you invite to each of your sessions that are single dads is part of your coaching using different languages and how to give these poor dads permission to actually fucking be parents and guardians
2: absolutely and that and that's a big part of it. I mean, a, a big part of what I what I do is the long game in absolutely everything, right? So whether it's with parenting, whether it's with health, whether like you know everything, it's the long game. The being you know acting out of integrity and and you know with with the having your you know integrity guide your moral compass and whatever that is in the long game is key. And that's where as as a father, and that's one of the things because I said I mentioned earlier, there's so many different roles that we juggle, and they all need attention, and making the time for those. And it's like so many, like, there's so many things that you mentioned, like when when my kids are with me, I get my kid. like it's a week on week off. Right. So when my kids are with me, I want, I'm invested in them. I want to be a part of what they're doing. I'm there. And then I would always feel guilty. I wouldn't want to do anything fun when my kids weren't there. Cause I didn't want my kids to think, Oh, well, you know, dad likes it when I'm not with them. Right. You know, and, and I would feel guilty with doing that, but your kids need to know that, that you're enjoying life and you're okay they don't need to worry about you when they're at mom's house right and, and and the same thing so so in going with that in in what you just said about as dads with you know kind of when it, it can't be it can't be a vacation every single time you have a kids now regardless of what your parenting time is because I have all kinds of I have dads and I've worked with moms and dads where their parenting time goes from you know 50 50 to where some some people see their kids four hours a week every other week or whatever that is so in that time it's about being present and what in and what the 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 guiding kind of question that i use and i challenge every every dad out there that's listening to this whether you know whether you're how long you have with your kids you know what it is or married not married whatever is if i was the only parent in the picture what are the tools i want to enable my kids with what do I want to teach my kids so that they can be successful if a bus hit me tomorrow? What mm. do they need to know right now? And if you haven't taken steps to at least move them towards those lessons, start today. Whether that's how to do laundry, whether that's what, you know, and and enabling your kids, not, not ruling as a dictator, but saying, okay, let's talk bedtimes. You mentioned bedtimes. So let's talk bedtimes. If you're going to be able to, you know function and show up at school and why do you want to why do you want to be well rested because you're going to learn you're going to do this and this and how does that benefit you ask those questions why keep asking why until you see that light go off in their eyes oh that makes sense right and you know that that's why i should go to bed early and not stay up till three in the morning you know or whatever and and then and because then they're dialed into it you're not ruling as addictive, but you're still accomplishing those things as their parent right and that's you know from a nutrition standpoint from everything and then you've got to walk the walk as well, because parents, right. Moms, dads, married, not married, whatever, right. If you're not giving yourself that, ex- that exact same, if you're not asking yourself that exact same question, why do you need to do this? Why are you doing this? Then if you're not enabling yourself to operate at hundred percent, then you're actually doing your kids a disservice by not showing up as the full complete you. As the best you that if you're not well rested, if you're you're burning the candle at both ends if you're you know and and all that if you're not there so I encourage you right as as a dad right like you know and said so it's one of the roles we have to play but that's for me it's like if I was the only parent what does my kid need to know so yes I've had conversations with my daughter about sex about boyfriends about this and she's like dad okay I don't need to have these conversations like but at least that door is open right and and I mean with with my boys and and still I have a quick little and I know we're wrapping up but a quick little thing I have a it's the relationship checkup I, it was from a speaker that i had listened to at a conference one day and it was about a romantic relationship and in checking in every month right and i applied it to, and i took everything and that's the beauty like a lot of personal growth stuff you can apply to business business stuff you can apply to this and relationships to your kids and all these things so taking this was a question he said he goes i encourage you couples to sit down once a month and say how can i show up better for you not what you need from them hmm. What you want more of, less of. It's what do you need from me? What can, how can I show up better for you? And I ask my kids that question. And a lot of times when the stories we tell ourselves, we tell ourselves they're going to want trips to Disneyland. They're going to want a pony. They're going to want, you know, a new car. Yeah. They're going to want this and this. But what the answers from my kids were blew my mind. It's like, you know what, dad, you, you know, you can actually hang out and play, uh, learn how to play an Xbox game with me. Or you could do this or this. And like just, where that comes and and what better way than thinking and putting all that pressure on ourselves that we need to come up with all the answers, we need to be perfect, we need to do this. But I tell my kids, look, I want to be the best dad I can be for you. And I know I'm not perfect. So what do you need more from me? What do you need less from me? How can I show up better for you? Because I'm learning as we go. So help me, you know, and it's Jerry. Don't, do it. Don't, it's don't do it. don't do it. So but it's like, but but help me be better, right? And 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 in asking those questions. A lot of times, like I said, those stories we tell ourselves are grander, mountains, change this, do this, but it's the simplest things, simplest things. So I encourage every parent out there, ask that question to your kids. And if you're in a relationship, ask that question to your spouse. If you're in a job or a career, ask that to your coworkers, ask that to your boss, ask that to your employees. That question is so powerful when it comes to growth.
1: I absolutely love it. And it's uh how it how it resonates with me is if we can give each other permission to communicate what we deeply need world's a better place Mm. and i i commend you for giving your children permission to communicate with you as as to how you can show up um and that's that's a tough one because i think dude i grew up and i'm a i'm a little bit older than you but i grew up my generation was children were to be seen and not heard and our opinion our generation our opinion well we didn't have an opinion unless it was given to us yeah (laughs) so it is it is such a huge paradigm shift parents like you i'd like to say myself and and Perhaps more over how you are coaching and the example that you are setting. I mean, the most beautiful thing, you've got three kids, Carrie. Yeah, I have a
2: 17-year-old daughter, and then my boys are uh, 15 and or a 14, yeah, 15 and
1: uh 10. Think of I'm sure you do, of course, but I'm not the one planting this seed, but think of how powerful those human beings are going to be when when they're partners or parents or employees or like it's creating that that emotional strength and that permission to just communicate and live from a position of empathy you're creating fucking super superheroes oh and i I love that you said that because if i had the like in the last four
2: years five years if i had all of these tools when i was 10 years old whoa right look out and 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 know that as parents, when we try to, you know, teach our kids these things, it's not like I sit down like, all right, kids, we're going to go through this today. No, organically, those opportunities come up. Sometimes they're going to stick, sometimes they're not. But the beauty is when it does and you get that back from your kids. Like my daughter texting me on a date when she's at her mom saying, well, dad, you know, I'm hanging out with you too much. When the first thing I thought of, when I woke up today was something great is going to happen to me today. <laughs> right. And you know, cause I say that to my kids, every single day I go, something beautiful is going to happen to you today. Something great is going to happen today. And I'm going to ask you at the end of the day, what that was. And when you look for it, you find it right. Mm. And little things like that, that, that I've, you know, that, that you're able to implement in their world and it's sticking and it's so powerful i
1: love that yeah i i want to share one last story these and by the way i take no credit for what i'm about to share a previous guest and and he's also a friend of mine this was his idea or at least he claims it was his idea so i'll give him credit (laughs) and every person that i've told this story to and myself included my immediate reaction was was I loathed him for coming up with this. That's how great this idea is. I hated him for it. Can't wait. So, um, and I've only got a couple more minutes because, in the spirit of full disclosure, I have to go pick my uh, my son up from school. But um, he has a he has two teenage sons, and what he did was he wrote a letter to his two teenage sons. That was a two or three page letter, basically outlining all of the reasons why he loves them and all of the things that are incredible about them. And he wrote it almost in a third person, not as their dad. Um, And then he folded that letter up and he gave it to them and he said, in life, whether you're 14 or whether you're 40 in life, you're going to go through some shit. You're gonna have moments where you feel lost, where you don't have the answers. I want you to have this letter because I want you to always remember the roots. I want you to always remember that you come from love, that you come from a home where you are always supported and loved and embraced. So no matter where you are in your journey through this incredible thing called life, you will always have this little anchor that will keep you grounded. And I thought for a teenage boy, and I was a fucking lost teenage boy, how incredible it would be to have that little piece of literature. Because what are teenage boys? Well, they they don't communicate particularly well. Maybe they're scared of talking to their parents. They don't want to look like a pussy, so they don't talk to their buddies. Blah, blah, blah. To have that little piece of literature that in the privacy of your bedroom or the toilet stall or on the bus you could just refer to that and to always know that you you had a core anchor of love and support so i i pilfered that i stole it and i've already written mine and et cetera. brilliant brilliant yeah i mean right there man that's awesome yeah. yeah i'm gonna use that do it and please take full credit i uh
2: credit who gave his friend credit yeah
1: yeah yeah no no this is <laughs> the carrie kish original I'll, I'll see it on your website in like a week and be like that motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> so on that note um carrie what an absolute pleasure and dude i gotta be honest with you i feel like it was uh i feel like it was so natural i i've just you feel you are such a genuine such an authentic soul and i i just want to thank you for your honesty it takes a lot of courage to be you uh so i want to sh- thank you man for showing up like this it means a lot
2: Thank you. And uh, yeah, and I received that with, you know, with with gratitude. And and uh, I think that it's awesome what you're what you're put out in the world as well. I think that's why we connected.
1: So thank you. Keep brother. Going. Well, I, I I truly believe we will stay connected. Um, I'll put all of your contact info in our um, in our show notes. carrie uh, has got a phenomenal website with lots of information and content and resources. Uh, follow him on Instagram. Again, all of it will be in the show notes. But uh, that's it for today's episode of We As. And in case you haven't picked on it, this is Carl, by the way. (laughs) Um, Tune in uh, soon. We've got more exciting content coming down the pipeline. Carrie, thank you so much, brother. Really appreciate you. Love and peace to everyone. We are out for now.